I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From Postcard from the Past and Water Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is the podcast where we consider beach views that make you shiver, underfed, red-sweated children looking wistfully over crumbling bridges and one-eared donkeys against solid blue skies. So we attempt to understand the memories, meanings and stories held by picture postcards. I'm Tom Jackson and today I'm delighted to say my guests are shorthand expert Catherine Baird and writer, broadcaster, classicist Natalie Haynes. Natalie and Catherine, hello and welcome. Hello. hello. Now, uh, Catherine Baird, Catherine learnt... Pittman New Era shorthand in the 1970s and taught it to secretarial students into the 1980s. And about 30 years ago, she bought herself a postcard with a message written in Pittman shorthand. And that was the start of a curious uh, mystery-solving hobby. And now Catherine tweets on the Twitter transcriptions of shorthand messages, um, often from postcards and diaries. Catherine comes to us today with an L39 Lancashire postmark, is that right? That's right. Catherine, do you still send postcards? Very occasionally. So what, what prompts you to do that? If I see something of interest um, that I think a friend will like, then I would, I would send that. I'm not averse to sending a postcard. But it's not a matter of principle with you. I'm glad to hear it. Well, actually, very kindly, you brought a postcard for me and Natalie today, so um, I know that uh, postcard buying, sending and, and, and generosity are all tied together for you, so mm -hmm. that's very good. Thank you. Now, uh, you may well have seen Natalie Haynes as a stand-up comedian. You may have read articles written by her in various newspapers. Uh, you may have heard her on Radio 4 in the series Natalie Haynes Stands Up for the Classics. And you may have read her books, um, the classically influenced... The Amber Fury, uh, a, a book which looks at the, uh, the joys and perhaps dangers of teaching classical literature. Um, the Children of Jocasta, uh, in which she reimagines the Oedipus and Antigone stories. And her latest, the brilliant A Thousand Ships, where she gives voices to the women, girls and goddesses uh, who found themselves wrapped up in the Trojan War. Uh, it's an astonishing book. Uh, families collapsing, pointless wars, uh, thin-skinned leaders looking for revenge... Posturing warriors, um, travellers uh, taking the long way home. Um, thank goodness it's nothing like the world we live in exactly, today. Exactly, yeah, no, no common points at all. I went, when I was... Um, I did an interview about it yesterday for... I've forgotten what... Um, a, New a magazine in New Zealand, and they said, um, was it inspired by the Me Too 
movement and I was like I'd nearly finished it by the time me too happened but we were discussing it, cause it um, and saying it's the weirdest thing because when the, that whole me too story was breaking um, and I was like well this seems to be a good time to be telling stories from multiple women's perspectives marvellous it was just the most incredible thing to watch nice men going oh how has this been happening and we didn't and all the women are like yeah guys I, I we uh, yeah, no, we know. And so it didn't feel like a news story to me in the same way that it did to loads of my male friends. So, yeah, it felt like a moment to them. To me, it just seemed like kind of business as usual. I suppose there's, there's the me too in the broad sense of we're over here kind of thing. Right. The story is... Yeah. Uh, it, the it, story's it's about just, us too. Yeah. Yeah. And the women, of course, in, in the, actually in classical literature, some of the women are very fully drawn in the first place. Yeah, absolutely they are. It's one of those weird things where, again, when the book came out, I did a couple of interviews and, and journalists said, you know, isn't it anachronistic to put the women back in the centre of the story? And I was like, well, you should tell Euripides because we have eight of his tragedies about the Trojan War that survived to the present day. Seven of them have women as the titles. So, yeah, he, he obviously didn't get that memo that it was <laughs> that women weren't important. Sorry about that. But, yeah, of course. And some of the stories we've just lost, Penthesilea, the great Amazon warrior queen, her story was in the Ethiopis, an epic poem which doesn't survive to us today. Um, it also told the story of Memnon, the great Ethiopian hero. So we don't have that either, infuriatingly. We've lost the story of the great black hero and the great female hero of the Trojan War. We just don't have them. Keep digging. I know, yeah. Well, there were fragments in Quintus Manaeus, but it's one of those things where you're like, one day someone will open that box of Oxyrhynchus papyri and there it will be. But I think it's probably a bit optimistic. You'll get the call and you'll be out there. Yeah. <laughs> but apart from having uh, much of a heart in, in, in ancient Greece, Natalie comes to us today wearing a B. 30 postmark? Yes, Bourneville, Birmingham, yeah. Is that where you grew up? It is, yeah, I lived there till I was 18. I know it doesn't sound like it anymore. I've been gone <laughs> a long time. Uh, Natalie, when did you last send a postcard? I'm quite an erratic sender of anything. Um, so I have a, I'm absolutely likely to send you a, an appropriate number of cards and presents during a year. They are very unlikely to coincide with your birthday or Christmas. <laughs> so, yes. Just a reckoning at the end of the year. I, I'm, I'm just entirely arbitrary and I kind of hope at the end of, let's say, five years that you haven't lost out. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very arbitrary system. So I honestly couldn't tell you when I lost into postcard because I've been on tour for such a long time already. Um, uh, but on but tour, to me, says great opportunity for buying postcards. I know, but the trouble is, as all performers will tell you, you turn up somewhere in the dark and you leave in the dark. Huh? Don't so, quite yeah, know Sometimes, yeah, sometimes book festivals have postcards as part of their thing, so I've acquired a few, but then I tend to keep those as a nice memento of the thing. I have a terrible habit of buying postcards and then simply keeping them, yes. I'm afraid. Well, you're not the first. I mean, that, I think from, from the day picture postcards certainly emerged, people would, would keep them as well yeah, as sending them. Yeah, because so. they're nice to have. Yeah, yeah, they're nice things, They're excellent they? bookmarks. They really are. Well, people, sometimes people say, say to me when, when I ask them to come on the show, they say, I don't think I've got any postcards at home. And if they are people who have books in the house, I say, well, go yeah, to your bookcase, go shake, one. shake a few. You're, yeah. you're going to find something. Yeah, yeah. And often it's something you've completely forgotten as well. Well, before we discover the cards that uh, Natalie and Catherine have brought along, I'll give you a quick one of mine. And this is, of course, a postcard from the past card, like I do on Twitter, at past postcard, um, an old card from which I've selected just a part of the message. So the first one I've got here is um, greetings from the Isle of Man. Um, and it has a rather astonished and well, quite scary-looking Manx cat That Manx cat looks underwhelmed by its experience. Yeah, and I think quite possibly stuffed. But um, <laughs> anyway, the card was sent. Uh, it looks like an 80s card to me, but let's see if there's a date on it. Uh, no. Oh, 88, I think. And it was sent to place near Bath by someone called Louise and and she says um, 
Most of my holiday I have been ill. I went down to the riding stable and fainted and was sick. So um, I don't know how Claire felt about receiving that. Well, glad that she hadn't gone, I suppose. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, another quick one. This is a, a bit older, 1976. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of um, a, a tradition to put red things in postcards, and they've chosen to put these... I don't know, what, what flowers are they? I don't know. They're Scotland. red ones. Red ones. Happy to help. <laughs> Good to have a botanist on the yeah, team. Yeah, you're welcome. I've only ever lived in <laughs> cities. Here it is. <laughs> yes, July 1975. 76. The hot summer. The hot, not unlike the summer we're experiencing right now, actually. Um, and this is a, uh, someone called Babs, writing to someone in Clacton-on-Sea in Essex, from Scotland. And that's Miss M. Davis they're writing to. And they say, I'm very glad you're not here because you're such a pain when you are around. Oh. So, um, oh. It's the message that, that means so much. Yeah. That's a bad breakup, huh? Just to let you know, images of all these cards, including unidentified red flowers, um, are on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can investigate for yourself. Now, uh, Natalie and Catherine, you've been kind enough to come along to the studio bearing postcards of your own. Catherine, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. What's the first... I think you've got a couple of cards here. What, what's the first one you brought along for us? What, what are the we looking at? The first one is uh, a postcard which was posted in 1905. And oh, the golden age. The golden age of the postcard. It's of Hubberholm Church near Buckden. And it was actually the first postcard with a message written in shorthand that I ever bought. Oh, this is what got you on this dangerous path. Absolutely. Okay. So it's written to Madge from Annie, and she says, I am writing this in shorthand because they always read what is on postcards at the post office here. Ah. So that was it. As soon as I'd, I'd transcribed that from the shorthand, I thought, this is it. I've got to find more postcards with messages in shorthand. But is that the whole message? No, there's more of it. She's on her holidays and she says, um, it's actually, the rest of it isn't that interesting, okay, to she, be honest. So, but she must have known her friend could read shorthand. Absolutely. Otherwise it would be Absolutely. crazy. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so, yes, that's a feature, of course. If, if you're going to write a message in shorthand, then the recipient has to be able to read it. Yeah, they need, the, they need the code. To. Exactly. And this is, yeah. the, this is one of the great sort of uh, debates, isn't it? Does the postman mm. read the post, postcards? Yes. But they were convinced they did at their post office, exactly. specifically. They must yes. have known. She must have known. Very yes, good. For some reason. And yeah. you've got another one from those early days of collecting. Yes. This one is actually from uh, 1917. Oh, during the war? It's during the First World War, and it's addressed, Dear Father, from your son Glenn. And it's a postcard of Tidworth, Tidworth Camp. And he says, we have no definite word as yet as to when we go off, but I think it will be someday next week. I'm getting fit and well and getting on very well as a corporal. They seem very decent fellows here and I've made quite a number of friends who were quite enthusiastic at my promotion, especially a fellow from Didcot. Ah, so he's made a friend. So, yeah, we have several picture houses here and a theatre, which helps to make things very lively. So where's this camp that he's at? Um, I don't know where Tidworth is, and 
We have because it's not been posted. Oh, this, sent an envelope, this must perhaps. have gone in an envelope. Yes. Um, so there's no postmark on it. And he's waiting to be sent to the front. Yes. Yes. Gosh, and we, we've no way of knowing whether he made it back. Or? Sadly, we don't know because we only have his first name. Right. Oh, like so many, then it's a kind of yes. it is an unknown warrior. Unknown. Yes. yes. And his fate's unknown. Yeah. But nice yeah. to know they had the pictures. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Very good. Natalie, what's the first... Well, you've got a, you've got a, a lump of cards here, actually, I think, yeah. um, appropriately enough, from the classical world. What, what are your little classical selection? What have you got oh, here? Oh, I brought you um, three. I brought you uh, the Palace of um, Poseidon, or Neptune, if you prefer, depending on whether you like to see southern Italy or southern Italy or Magna Graecia. Um, but uh, I it's brought a, you... It's a Greek building, though, isn't it? It's an unbelievably beautiful Greek temple um, at Paestum. Um, and I visited there a few years ago and it is just, I don't really, I'm kind of, I feel stupid saying this to you because I don't really want any more people to go there than do now, <laughs> but it's such an incredible... It's bad thing about recommendations, isn't right? it? Right, it's such an incredible part of the world. Obviously, everybody goes to Pompeii and they should and everybody goes to Herculaneum or fewer people maybe go to Herculaneum. Some people climb up Vesuvius and you should do all of those things because they are all amazing, but you should also, if you have the chance... I guess I don't really understand why you'd go on holiday to anywhere like that if you weren't just going to go to classic sites every day, but there it is. Um, I'm a fun holiday companion. Um, Paestum is... It's just basically it's three massive temples um, on a burning hot day pretty much whenever you go. Because it's right at the bottom of Italy, isn't it? It really is, yeah. And um, it has one biggish kind of roomed museum. I mean, there are a few smaller rooms, but there are just remarkable, beautiful things in there that you'd expect to have been kind of scooped up and gone off to the Archaeological Museum at Naples, which I would also very wholeheartedly recommend. Um, but Paestum was just... It was one of the most extraordinary days of my life. I knew very little about the site before I got there. You get a train out of Naples, which everyone has told you before you go, is basically just full of murderers. And <laughs> Naples is exactly like London. Do you yes, know? It's, it right. was, oh, it's full of pickpockets. What, you mean like any other city? It's completely uh, yes. fine. Uh, or at least people, that was my experience. People are quite prejudiced, prejudiced against it. I remember people yes, saying about Venice, people like, it's, it's great, but don't have a cup of coffee in the main in, in, in the main square. Yes, because people will charge you a lot of money. Yeah, well, it's almost like they've got high ground rent. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? And so, yeah, you get the train out of... Um, you don't need a car, although, of course, you could go by car. It's basically one long kind of ribbon road to get there, I think. Um, but you get the train and then you get off at, um, at Paestum um, and walk... Half a mile, maybe, to get to the site, and and there are just these. It's like three euros or something absurd to go onto the site, and these three huge temples. It's a huge site. You can walk around. It's incredibly quiet. It's just so beautiful, and it, it gives you that real sense that you get. You get it more at Herculaneum maybe than at Pompeii, um, because Pompeii is just so busy, where you can just have that moment of of being feeling like time is telescoping and that you're there. The same thing can happen to you if you go to Ostia. I find the the port town at Rome. Um, and you just have that thing, you can turn a corner and you suddenly can't feel the, the world now at all. And the ancient world suddenly seems so present. It's such an extraordinary moment. I had that in Paestum. But that temple separately. is in incredibly good condition, isn't it? It is. Is that, is that because it's been reconstructed? or is No, it, I don't think so. I think it's just, just been lucky. Yeah, no, I think we've just been lucky with it. I mean, you know, temples... Generally, the Greeks built temples pretty well, I think, when they've... This was important. Yeah, and sometimes the problem is that the the materials are like the um, Temple of Artemis on Corsaira, um, 
uh, Corfu, as it is now, um, is made of limestone, so it's quite porous. Ah. So then I think that you have to... And obviously there was the problem of acid rain in Athens, and so, you know, pollution. And it tends to be things that we have done. Yes, um, that have oh, been in the problem. recent years rather yes. than the centuries. Exactly, right. yeah. It tends not to be a problem with the Greek manufacturer. It tends to be a problem with <laughs> us and our, our filthy air. But that, it, it, that has the sort of stereotypical kind of... Um, classical colonnades that you see in um, classical revival but it's like a British museum or, yes. or bits of Paris or something but rather than being in a city it's it's right there being a big freaking temple it. yeah, yeah. And, and it, it sits but on a postcard because it, it's um, the proportions are just right absolutely yeah they're lovely ionic columns I think um, insofar as they have a, a small bit of fluting at the top and the bottom um, so yeah and the this there's the Temple of Hera, I think, is the other, and maybe Athene is the third, um, or Juno and uh, Minerva, to give them their uh, Roman names, because I try not to be too... Anyway. Um, but they're so... I mean, they're so massive, these temples, and they're so close to each other, and you think people properly went to pray to to one god or goddess, you know, that day. They didn't... The, that sense of there being one kind of religious building, as we would expect now, perhaps, in a smallish settlement. So are you saying they'd pick and, they'd pick and choose I feel like depending on where so they were close. in their life? And what I they... think maybe depending on what you wanted, right? right. I mean, that's it's, it's a real appeal of having multiple gods, is that there's absolutely no value. You, you can't feel shallow praying to Aphrodite slash Venus for love and sex rather than world peace because that's their job she's not got world peace on offer she can only help you yes with, with you know you've gone to the rust. shoe shop you're gonna get shoes that's exactly right and i think there's something quite encouraging about yes. that i would say that you don't have to feel kind of guilty for having what we might perceive as being a, a relatively trivial desire it's practical isn't it to go to the temple of asclepius and pray when somebody is ill and it's um, legit because there's a big temple there someone built there's it there's a big temple there and someone sacrifices animals there um you know chickens or uh, you know whatever um and and there's there's a sense of of this being a, a civic destination as well as a religious destination and that runs through later roman religion of course and imperial religion as soon as um we, we notice it with, with the rise of Christianity, where Christians, when they are, and it is quite, it's quite a rare thing to happen, although I know we think it happens all the time, when Christians are persecuted by the Romans for being Christian, it's generally not because they are Christian, it's because they aren't worshipping the emperor's genius, uh, his genius, as we would um, probably say it. So, oh, they're, so it's, they're being, a it's political. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a political issue of potential rebellion. I suppose the closest we have in... in certainly Catholicism is, is is the various saints that you kind of right. you focus your yeah. uh, particularly requests yeah. via the saints would be the would be the club but it's not the same as going to a different part of town yeah and I always think with saints there's that sense especially because so many churches have got like a bone or a bit of hair of one it's sort of vaguely especially in Italy it feels like there's a, it's almost shaded into kind of magic rather right. than to me um, uh, un than unlike me. the purity of Roman religion well to be honest it reminds me of the De Ficciones those incredible tablets that you can see in uh, Bath at Quaisulis um, where people wrote curse tablets on uh, yes. lead and you know sometimes and it's like if you you know I'll sacrifice you know three goats if you find the man who stole my best cloak and you know or ran off with my wife and afflicted him with boils or whatever and they're written you know they're really scratched into the lead and it's so soft you know I suppose they're a postcard in, in their own way yes you. yes um, and you so you scratch your message in and sometimes you do the letters backwards to make them extra magic Oh, really? It's my heart hurt thinking of someone trying so hard. Maybe then, there was something magic about using shorthand of on this. Of course, a secret message. Just different. A secret message. So it had a sort of extra luster to it that, yeah. that just is actually un, 
unfathomable. It's just there. It's not, it's not just the meaning. There's right. something about the secret script. Any message other people can't read, any coded message, has a. Yes. it already has a kind of freighting that a, a regular, hi there, wish you were here type thing doesn't have, I yeah. would suggest. And then there's extra meaning just because of the work yeah. in the writing and the decoding. You've, you've both worked at it. it yeah, must there's be, an intimacy it's worthwhile. And, it's a, and a connection because you both have to read the same language or... Yeah. There's no reading of it. The postman can't read and mum can't read. Yeah. So what are the other classical cards you brought in? Uh, these two are... Um, well, originally these pieces are both also in um, southern Italy. They're both from Pompeii. Um, but actually the um, painting... In fact, I think they both are probably in the uh, Archaeological Museum of Naples. But I bought these postcards when this uh, exhibition was on... Pompeii and Herculaneum was on at the British Museum. And that was six years ago. And extremely unusually, I know a modern date. And that almost <laughs> never happens. And the only reason I know it is because... Um, I went to that exhibition at an absurd time of the morning um, because I was judging the Booker Prize that year in 2013. What? And so I read 151 books in 204 days, oh which is God. a bit like being bludgeoned, but wonderful, but terrible. Mm -hmm. And I was waking up at five every morning and reading a novel before I started work <laughs> that day. And I got up at five and read a novel. And I was completely insane because mm. you're so yeah, sleep deprived. It's and not so normal, is it? It's just, and I was cheerfully saying to people, the good thing is I'm waking up really early and I haven't got time to get back to sleep. So what I'm doing is getting up early and then reading a book before I start work for the day. And then sometimes I have a power nap at lunchtime. That's only 20 minutes. So I'm actually getting a net gain of two hours. <laughs> people are like, okay, sweetie. And maybe also we should have less caffeine and sit down. Um, and so. Yeah, and that's I, treating books as a kind of, as, as, a, as, a, as a sort of collectible. You're cram cramming them absolutely. into your head. Yeah, but it's like being perhaps isn't how they're meant to the be. The day written. I got to book 50, 50 books arrived in another part. So it was horrific. Um, and the last book, book 151, was 1,004 pages long. And when it arrived, <laughs> I knelt down and cried you in ain't my winning. hall. <laughs> it was so awful. And um, I went, I got up crazy early, read a book, and then thought, oh, today's the day of the press showing of the Pompeii and Hook. And I was sure oh. I wasn't going to be able to go. Sure. And I was like, but I've already read a book. And I could probably make it. I think I could maybe make it. And so I walked into town. And I was coming through the park. It was really, really cold. Um, and I was coming to the park in a big furry coat, and I was like, okay, I'm totally going to get there. And it was maybe by the time I got to the museum, it was like 10 o'clock. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like, I've read oh. a book, I've done this thing. And I just, and I got there, and I was like, hello. And they said, hello, slightly, you know, confusedly. And I said, I, I'm Natalie Haynes, I've come for the pressure. And they were like, oh, okay, go on in. I'm like, am I? early and they went yeah yeah it doesn't open for another two hours but uh, you can go in and so I got to go around oh, the whole good. exhibition on my own that's and a it dream was the, it was the exact you earned dream. it anyway you earned that I, I totally time. didn't I was annoying and in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> but happily for me they didn't punish me for it and instead let me go in and so it was I know those blockbuster exhibitions are always very busy and crowded. They're doing... Yeah, the danger is you look at people's shoulders, really. Right, than... and they're doing Troy this autumn, um, starting in November, which is going to be amazing and will similarly be, I'm sure, very bustling and, and busy. And so getting to go through that exhibition, which was designed as a, as a Pompeian house, um, so you went through all the different rooms that had, they've got these incredible frescoes and mosaics and so on. Um, you know, they've got a kitchen and they've got a dining room and, you know, all of those. It was the exact perfect way to see it. It was just wonderful. One of the best exhibitions I've ever been to. And these are your these are souvenirs. Really. So these are my souvenirs. Yeah. So I brought the. <laughs> you brought a dead dog. I did bring a dead dog. Thank yeah. You. No, I did do that. I'm a terrible vegetarian. Um, yeah. No, I brought the dog. Um, He's from the inside, I think, of the the house where there's quite a famous mosaic from Pompeii, which says Carwe Carnum. Sometimes oh, people yes, have yes. it as, a, and there's a lovely mosaic of a dog. And he's like, ah. Well, um, I remember I remember seeing that at the Pompeii exhibition in 1979. 
the AD, AD 17 at the Royal Academy, I think. Perfect, yes, of course. That was a long time ago. Um, Pompeii was fresh in our minds then. Yes, it was. Uh, it was barely underground. Um, and so, yeah, no, the, the, this is probably the real dog, or could be the real dog, who, who is depicted in the mosaic. Otherwise, he's a you know, descendant of that dog, and perhaps. And it's kind of petrified. Um, with, by the lava, is that what happens? Yeah, well, or? the pyroclastic surge means he's all... Um, there's, there's. I think it's called the boxer pose when it's a person. I don't know if it's the same right. thing when it's a dog. There are boxer um, dogs. But Nicely done. Um, but people kind of curl up, and so it looks oh, like gosh. that's... I know, it's really terrible. It's actually a horrible thing to think about. It looks it? like that. Well, that's what the ex why the exhibition was so incredible, because you walked around it, and it was like that one astonishing thing after another, and then you came around the last corner, and there's a family who have who have been... Oh. Goodness who've me. been caught in the... Th and, it's, and you suddenly realise you're watching a disaster movie yes, and not yes. the most incredible, you know, museum exhibition that you'll ever see. And so it is remarkable. Yes, and so, their sacrifice, in a way, is right. what gave us the city as a record. Right, and, and not a willing sacrifice, no, I guess. No. So, yeah, no, it looks like they're... I mean, it's... Oh, it, it looks like they're defending themselves or, or kind of curled up away from the awfulness of this huge pyroclastic surge. But actually, it's because... Sorry to be gross, but I think it's... Um, your tendons shorten as you are sort of cooked... Um, and so you take the position of something which nice. looks very defensive, but nice. you almost certainly didn't know anything about it. So no. the oh, poor dog. I hope, I hope maybe the fumes had. Gone I for think them you before. are gone by then. Yeah. So um, still awful, but yeah. No, I brought the poor dog because um, he was a he was a remarkable card um, to see him all distorted and and hidden inside the lava, which uh, encases him. And I also brought uh, what I think is seemed suitable for a postcards podcast um this i think he's a baker and his wife um, and this is a painting that's been done of them these are um, these, they're, they're famously realistic and naturalistic aren't yeah these, these really really good um her hair is fantastic you can see the central part and she's got beautiful kind of ringlets around her temple um and they're both holding writing materials she's holding a folded up wooden tablet so very early um uh, precursor to the postcard um, but that ah. is how people used to send letters in, and you could fit about 50 words on a wooden tablet and, and so it's about the right close size it up and it would be sent off. exactly yeah you just put wax over it and then you scratch into it and if you look at tablets from people use them for school exercises for example you can see the you know layers where someone scratch where a child has scratched yes, yes. right through the wax into the wood and then they've relayed the wax and so on. so she's holding wax tablets he's got a papyrus is she doing that to show that She's educated? They're doing it to show that they're literate. Right. Um, and literacy and how literate people were in the ancient world is a source of ongoing, you'll be unsurprised to hear, debate. We have no idea, really, how many people were literate. How many people could write is likely to be a smaller number than how many people could read. Right. And we yes. also don't know how much it, it mattered because you could be very rich and simply pay somebody else. You know, you, you, there's no yes. correlation between um, wealth necessarily and... Um, literacy, because you've just paid a slave, a scribe, to do it for you. And so. probably still the case. Yeah, well, yes, <laughs> certainly at the moment it looks that way, doesn't it? But I like the idea that they they want to show themselves as a sort of perform... They're performing their literacy, let's yes. say. So. I like the way he sort of lent in yeah. in the way that you would for a photograph, and yet he must have lent in for some time while right. they were doing that picture. Right, and he's sort of holding his scroll under his chin and she's holding her stylus right on against her chin, like, hmm, I'm thinking, I'm yes, pensive. Yes, I might write a letter. I know, it's <laughs> lovely. They're obviously trying to show themselves as being, um, you know, thoughtful, literate, literary, perhaps, yeah. people. They, do look like they, they, like real, they are real people, but they yeah. look like people you might meet. They do.
Yeah, and that's what's so magical about Pompeii, awful though many of the things about it are. Yes, just frozen so moment. About it. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing those uh, classical cards, Natalie. I'm, I'm glad you brought things from the classical world. It makes sense. It does, really. I normally would do another sort of humorous one here, but I got these with me from my collection slash hoard, and I thought, because they've got shorthand, I thought I'd chuck them at Catherine and see what Ooh, she could um, make. They might say, they might be shopping lists, I don't know. Ooh, life shorthand. Anything. Um, so this right. is a card of, what's the, so what's the picture? So this one, the picture is the Harbour Clavelli. Oh, very and nice. And it was posted Much, much postcarded in, Clavelli. Yes, and it's from July 1916. Oh, first And it's going war. to, yes, Miss G. Prentice, living in Wembley. And the, ah, this is interesting because it's the, the address of the sender is written in shorthand and it is 28 um, Edgware Road, London West. Okay. Dear Gladys, just a line to say I shall be down tomorrow evening, all being well. God, you're amazing. By the seven train. I shall have the large photo with me, I hope. Do you like this picture? I know you can't read this. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit stupid. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. So I know, I know you can't read this and expect I shall drop in for it tomorrow when I see you. So Best she, love, Arthur. Arthur. Oh, well, oh Arthur. Arthur's, Arthur's a tease, I think, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? That's great. Actually, it's pretty good shorthand. Well, you've uh, read it very smoothly, so it must. Yeah, have been. that's not. It's not challenging, I would say. Well, that kind of gives gives the mm. lie to this idea that both sender and recipient <laughs> have to understand. He's I've playing never a seen game. anything like that. I've never transcribed a message like that before. That's just wonderful. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to podcasts from the past, the Postcard Podcast. My guests today are shorthand expert Catherine Baird, stand-up classicist and novelist Natalie Haynes. Catherine, what's the second... You've got a couple of cards for us. What have you got yes. there? Yes, well, this one's a postcard of Coronation Street in Birmingham. It's a bustling city scene. Do you um, know Coronation Street? Oh, let's see. 
There we go. It's all men, most of them wearing bowler hats. And it's... Uh, it Corporation was, Street, yeah. Yeah, so it was post... Posted in still, 1960. Still there, it, it is. It's where, uh, like, House of Fraser, I think, is. Oh, okay. It may be on its way out. I think it might be a, a House of Fraser that's about to be okay. culled. <laughs> but, yeah, Corporation Street runs down to New Street. And, uh, yes, it, Would it you recognise it from that yes, card? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Birmingham still right. looks extremely yeah. um, like it was. Still looks, yeah. Even with all the new bits um, yes. that they're further over. So Corporation Street still has its old Victorian vibe. Yes, oh, that's um, great. Vibe. Um, it's now a, there's a tram link that runs down the middle. Oh, I, say. I know, right? <laughs> well, there was probably a tram then as well. Well, oh, yeah, you probably... always forget the trams went away and then came Exa back. For, right. And they went and it's, they went away for a short time. They went away for yeah. 25, 30 years or something. A really short time. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I didn't miss them because I'm always nearly getting run over by a tram in you know, <laughs> Manchester or whatever. And it's like yeah. it'd be really. They go so slowly, so it'd be really humiliating. Yeah, it'd be a really humiliating way to die being hit by something. And also, going you back do know where they're going to go. They're I know. Off. So it's, it's literally zero excuse. I'm a terrible <laughs> road crosser at the best of times, so just don't add any more obstacles for me. Um, this one's addressed to Miss Drake, who lives in Leicester, and um, it is written in the most appalling shorthand. I really, um, but you've worked it. I have worked it through. It's, it's, um, it looks to me as if, if, as if the writer has gone to, say, five or six shorthand lessons, and so knows the very basics, the fundamentals of the outlines, but that's it. But and still got the energy and the, the, the confidence to do something in short. Absolutely. Um, but the, the message says quite is revealing. So he says, Dear Miss Drake, excuse writing shorthand, but I think it is best. Hello. So there's a bit of a mystery oh. going on there. I have sent letters to make arrangements for Saturday and will let you know. Hello. Mm. There is someone here very much like you, that is, with the same kind of features. Hello. You, <laughs> you did not keep your appointment this morning. What I does mean, all that mean? Yeah. Well, I think we all know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yours, and then, as I say, it's very difficult to read it. The name looks like Will Penny. Really? Something like that. And then at the bottom, the sender has written, Excuse Rotten Script. Oh. And it really is rotten script. But it's very mysterious. Yes. It's not that mysterious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he's Will and she's... She is Miss Drake. Miss Drake. Mm. Oh, he's respectful, but he's... Um, yes. Yeah, it's, yes. What's, it's what is not said, really, isn't it? Exactly, yes. Well, I guess yeah. we'll never know the ins and outs of it, what, was, what he was plotting and planning from Corporation Street. I'm pretty yeah, sure I know. <laughs> <laughs> And then in contrast, would you like me to go on to the next yeah. one, Tom? In contrast, I've got a postcard of uh, Miss Marie Studholm, who was a very famous musical comedy actress. Yeah, and, and she, she had postcards made of her in the millions, I suspect. Yes, I think she... Many, many yes. poses. Yes. And glamour, glamour actresses like mm. her... It was one of their revenue streams. Was having postcards done. They would right. get a they would get a royalty on these oh, cards. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh -huh. so mm. it was a, they were the Kardashians of their day. Oh, I see. Like when you go to conventions and it's twenty five dollars or whatever to get people to sign a photograph. Yeah, and I guess it's people the who've same. been in you know like a sci fi program. That's a genuine source of income for them in their later years. Except mm. with these people, I think they were. I think they got to the stage where they were more famous for being on right. postcards than they were for, than for being in, in a variety act. That's so interesting. Uh, That's because interesting. people just because wanted their faces. No, the number of people who could have seen them as a variety act, whereas exactly. the postcards were yes. infinitely reproducible. Yeah, oh. yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. And they were big names, uh, as I say, in this yeah. sense. Anyway, what's the so, message? So, the message, this is from Bert. 
Oh, yes. And Bert has, in contrast to the previous card, which was the most terrible shorthand, his is extremely beautiful and correct. It's right. textbook shorthand. So you really wants her you'd to give be him able a good to mark. read this. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Honestly, it doesn't make a mistake anywhere. Uh, on the front, underneath the picture of the very beautiful Miss Marie Studholm, he says, I think this is the position you said you would like. Hello. Is it? And what she remind us of the what, what position she's in? Well, uh, she Marie Studholm is uh, she's in a very beautiful Edwardian costume. She has a very flamboyant, large-brimmed hat, and she's uh, got her head on one side, smiling very uh. sweetly, and her hands are are up and touching the sides of her hat. But is he saying this is this is the image you wanted for your know. collection, or this is the way you would like to stand? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. The image that she yeah, wants. I yes, so. I think so. Because they're collecting. Mm. Yes, exactly. The yes, complete the collection. yes, exactly. Yeah, yes. In fact, uh, it, there's a bit of proof of that in the message. So it's written to Miss M Sparks, and she lives in Honiton. And um, it was oh, I can't quite make. Oh, it's 1904. 1904. He sent this, and on the other side, he says, "My dear little sweetheart." I hope you will like this one. Oh. So that does indicate yes. that the postcard itself so is she's collecting them. For she her. wants those mm. yeah. elegant cards. Exactly. Uh, last week, this time, I had the great pleasure of taking you to Ottery. What a difference now. I trust that my dear little girl is keeping quite well and that she will not keep me too long without a nice letter. With much love and heaps of kisses. But. Oh. oh, that sounds. That really does feel like a, a, a romantic message from a different it's, age. It, yes, doesn't it? Um, and the fact he's gone to a lot of trouble with his shorthand. He's obviously good at shorthand anyway. What a show! Um, but he's uh, he's made sure that um, the position of the outline is is very clear, um, and it's just beautiful. He's and he's he's clearly written it with a shorthand pen. Oh, oh, is there such a thing? Yes, yes. I believe you can still buy a shorthand pen. And uh, what does and that do? Um, it's very good at making the 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 thin and thick lines that you need to show in shorthand. Oh, goodness um, me! Yeah. <laughs> well, very good. Well, thank you for the thank you for these, this insight into the world of shorthand postcards. Mm. That's amazing. You've got one more card for us, I think, Natalie. I have. Yeah, I have. Not the classical world this time. No, um, but it's an old postcard. But yes, to me, at this this level of old is politics uh, rather than history because it's from nineteen fourteen to fifteen. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it's um, a postcard of Brugge or Bruges, if you prefer it, um, in Belgium. Um, so. The, the war is raging at this point. The Great War is raging right at this there. point. Yeah, I mean, not in, in Bruja itself, but not, not very far yeah. away, huh? Um, I mean, really, no. When you think of where the yeah. war graves are in that part of Belgium, um, it, it's really near. Those big cemeteries are, are not far from there at all. So someone has sent this from that... Yeah, and it's written in French, which is odd, because... Um, yeah, or it's... Yeah, it's written in French. Um, uh... Which is weird, I guess, because the postcard obviously is Dutch language, um, but it says in French "carte postale" and then in um, in oh, Dutch see, yes, or so in Flemish, language, if you prefer, yes. "postcard." Um, and so um, I own this, um, and it's been published in Anvers, which is the French for Antwerp, or yes. the Flemish would be Antwerpen. So yeah, there's that thing where you have, as always with um, with Belgium, um, three languages, and any given moment the 
Dutch that one or Flemish that one lot of people speak, the French that the other lot of people speak, and the English that they both speak in order to avoid speaking the other's language because everyone's <laughs> so grumpy about it. Um, well, they probably I, had other things to worry about at that time, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. This, so my grand, great-grandparents, my grandmother was Belgian, so my great-grandparents were alive um, at this point, not very far from here, actually, um, about uh, 20 kilometres away, 25 kilometres away. Um, and so... Um, Belgium and this particular part of Belgium, Bruges, um, is somewhere I went to as a fetus. I've been uh, going there for so long. Um, so you like it? I do like it. Yeah, I love it. It's my other home, I guess. And I don't always make it over there every year, but I try to. And uh, luckily for me, my cousin sends me food parcels from there. Oh, wonderful. I know. Um, last what year, is that, sort of buttery biscuits? Yes. And... Yeah, last year she sent a food parcel with my dad to one of my radio recordings, and it was really heavy, the box. And I, I cut it open, and they were um, Cote d'Or chocolate-covered uh, Specaloose biscuits. <laughs> and I was like, my cousin is the best person who's <laughs> ever lived. These are this my people. the best thing that's ever happened. Wow. Um, and Specaloose, I, that's right, oh, isn't man, it? Man, I love a Specaloose biscuit. Now people call them Biscoff, I think. They, but anyway, they, to me, they will always be Specaloose. Um, and I own this postcard because I own a whole box of postcards from Belgium um, from the very start of the 20th century and I own them because a friend of mine is a tremendous art collector so he goes to lots of art auctions um, and has the most extraordinary collection of paintings amongst other things and um, and occasionally he bids online um, and he mailed me about a year ago I feel like um, and said there's this there are these lots of postcards of, of Belgium coming up would you like me to to bid them for for you and I was like yeah that'd be lovely I've got I actually have room for a, a picture on my wall and it'd be really nice so I bought one of those frames that you can put lots of pictures oh into. yes very good um and he bought me this box of postcards of uh, there are loads of Bruges there are the most extraordinary ones and if I'd had more time I would have dug through so I could bring you some of the other ones to see but you can see places like Ypres from before oh yeah it, it was just devastated and you yes, see it yes. as a sort of nice small town and then there are postcards just remarkable that they even exist that have been color tinted and they show it on fire right. and they're oh, being gosh. sold to raise money for the injured soldiers after the after the war is over and there are loads and loads from um Zeebrugge because obviously that's the um that's the Brighton of Belgium of right, North Belgium right. I suppose so that's the seaside resort that yes. people go to and there, um, there's people in boaters and right exactly living and, that life yeah and and the whole sort of you know and it looks it's so weird because to us and an Ustend which to us is a is a port yes but to them was a was very again, glamorous a seaside I think, destination Ostend, yes. really was you can't yeah. believe well I couldn't believe it because right. when I was growing up you went there, there were kind of chemical plants at Ustend and the smell was horrendous. When we were children, we were like, oh, it smells disgusting. It was like sulphur, I suppose. Um, but once, it, it wasn't like that at all, I guess. So I, I cherry-picked um, some of the nicest ones of, of Bruges and of Antwerp um, and put them in my lovely picture frame. And brilliant. I, I brought this one didn't quite survive through because it has handwriting on the front, um, which is exciting to you because you're a collector of postcards. Yeah, but to yeah, me, it's want, like, oh, that spoiled my picture. Image, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there, there, there are big debates amongst postcard collectors, I think, Oh, as well. is that right? Yeah. I, I, okay. I think I like any old... Any signs of age that yeah. of what's happened the journey these things have taken is interesting to yeah. me I suppose but but I can see it also had a single cent a one cent stamp so the, the Belgians used to have the least a, it could be a franc and then before the euro they had francs and then um, obviously the smallest unit of the franc would have been a, a cent a little something yeah and I recall so, Belgian yeah. francs being quite a lot to the pound 
Yeah, so they were about 60 or something. Nothing. Yeah, when I was a child, I think it was about... Because yeah. French francs were about 10 to the pound, weren't they? And Belgian ones were 60 yeah. or 70, so... Yeah. Yeah. So they had a cheap postal service. They did, yeah. Well, I suppose maybe not many people were sending postcards during the and war. And your, your beautiful frame of Belgian... How many cards are there in the frame? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, lovely. Sorry, I can't do that without counting them. Um, <laughs> and have you looked at them through a magnifying glass? With no, I didn't know a magnifying glass. It didn't occur to me. I'm sorry. There's a little bit of I'm such a classicist. <laughs> it doesn't occur to me that it's like, what possible historical interest could there be in this modern oh, it item? It just doesn't count, yes. <laughs> it's five minutes ago. Yeah, I know. I once described Henry VIII in answer to a question at a talk as modern history. <laughs> well, that is, that's <laughs> technically right, is. isn't it? I think that is what historians say, but it always yeah. seems strange because well, it's yes. quite a long time ago. As far as I'm concerned, once the Romans leave Britain, it's all politics from then on in. Really? There's no history left then. Really? Yeah. Like a back issue of a newspaper. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. <laughs> it's probably somewhere in a in, in, in a museum on a computer. Well, thank you very much, uh, both of you. Thank you for sharing those cards with us and our listeners. Um, another quick reminder, images of the cards that have sent us hurtling towards these memories and stories are all on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, uh, including um, one last one from me in the past postcard style, uh, which you may have seen uh, in the past postcard book and, and on Twitter. So this is a card of Bournemouth, uh, a multi-view, uh, four images for the price of one, uh, a rather odd sort of early computer-type font there. Yeah, and, um, that N is very troubling to me. It's unusual, I think, mm. for 1968. Maybe we're heading towards the sort of space age, yeah. I don't know. Um, and it was sent to Brighton uh, from Bournemouth. And um, hotel nice with good food. We went for a drive this afternoon and landed up in the middle of an army firing range. <laughs> So that was a bit, Great. a bit unfortunate. Um, before we let Natalie and Catherine back into the sweltering streets of Fitzrovia, I've got one more card for both of you to have a look mm -hmm. at. Um, it's customary for us to end the programme with one of these. I don't know if you've seen one of these before. Oh. There's a Mediterranean image for you, uh, Natalie. Oh. So what is it? This woman in her mysterious and many-coloured dress. Could that be? That could, that could almost be an ancient outfit. I don't think so. The corsets are much too late. Um, the, this Maybe this design of triangles around the bottom could look quite ancient, but, yeah, laced-up corsets and things look very modern to me, and the fabric looks... Not free-flowing enough? No, I'm afraid not. This is not the kind of thing you wear somewhere hot, I suspect. Well, uh, what it should say on the back what it is. Oh, Campania. So, um... So I guess she doesn't mind being hot. Maybe she's wearing it in the Maybe winter. Maybe it's more of a show. Because she's going to pass out, to be honest. If she's going to trot around Campania in 40 degrees with corsets <laughs> on and all those sleeves and layers, she is going to rue the day. Well, so, Did she come with a record on? You're absolutely oh, right. Oh, it is a record. It, it, it is a record. It is a record. It's a, it's a postcard <gasps> record uh, with a picture of a Campanian woman on it. So there's grooves on it. Yes. Now, um... Young Tom is Does it play? so far away. If we ask him nicely, he might be able to do something with this. There she goes. Oh, it's a bloke. Yeah, I don't think that's her. No. Yeah. No. I'm not sure this lady is real. <laughs> He's a waxwork. Yeah. <laughs> She's certainly very heavily posed. Yeah. She's got weird mannequin hands going on. Yes. They're highly, highly prized in that part of Italy. 
Well, as the mannequin companion woman spins at 45 RPM, that's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Catherine Baird and Natalie Haynes. Thank you both. Thanks thank for you. Us. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.